Jenko. Jenko is hopefully going to join us a little bit soon. Um, he's working on some stuff, IRL law work. But I'm always grateful to have lawyers up here with me. Hopefully one of you are going to volunteer to speak, hint, hint. But thank you for joining me. So the disclaimer first, welcome to Law Line with Carlo and Jenko, brought to you in conjunction with Rug Radio, where we discuss recent events in Web3 law, blockchain law, NFT law, basically anything going on in crypto that's legal related we like to touch on. And sometimes we degen and talk on some NFT vibes as well. So I'll open it up to anything today. Um, nothing we talk about today should be considered legal or financial advice. If you have a specific legal question, you should consult a lawyer privately who's licensed to practice in your jurisdiction. This is a recorded Twitter space, meaning it's not private. It is public, and we may rebroadcast anything said on this recorded Twitter space on any future platforms. That being said, I'm going to welcome up my man, Metaverse Lawyer, who is kind enough to help me today so I don't have to do a Volterra monologue for an hour. So thank you for that, Metaverse Lawyer. How are you, my man? Doing well, thanks. Doing great. Just getting through another busy week, as always. Oh, yeah. It never stops, man. It's it's a tough profession we've chosen. There's no question about it, man. The demands on our time and the distractions are, are epic in proportion. Yeah, I mean, I got to say, I uh, I really appreciate you holding these spaces regularly, um, you know, rounding up others from our profession and, you know, opening this to everyone in the NFT community that's interested in hearing things from kind of a, you know, a legal perspective. And um, I mean, I I don't know how you and others that are practicing full time do this, because I've been, as, as you know, I think, you know, sort of part time over the last eight to 10 months, maybe since my son was born and um, spending definitely full time doing a lot of NFT and crypto research and um, investing, degening, et cetera, um, studying, writing. And I don't know that I could fit in even a fraction of that if I was, you know, working at the law firm I used to work at or holding down a full time practice and everything. So uh, I think what you're doing is awesome. And and I'm always impressed by you and everyone, you know, in the, the Web3 legal community. It's because, yeah, it's, there's a lot to do. Man, I sincerely appreciate that. Um, you know, I think part of the advantage for me is I'm a solo in the sense of I don't work for anybody. I do carry a full load of clients and a practice, criminal defense practice. So, yeah, the demands are definitely there. Um, I believe in this, and I think it's an important thing that we're doing. And honestly, I couldn't do it without the help of our colleagues in the space who do a lot of the heavy lifting and help me by, you know, I think we, we, we largely crowdsource this thing and I love it. Um, we're all in this collectively to learn. I mean, we've got Latoshi there who's got his amazing blog, the Codex uh, Crypto Law Treatise. Um, we, we DM each other with, with breaking events in the space. And if I didn't have you all helping me to crowdsource this and I didn't have Jenko to help me sort of move this thing forward on a daily basis and keep it informative, entertaining, uh, it would be a difficult lift. No question about it. Um, I think people underestimate what it takes to do something like this. It's, it's easy to get yourself bogged down in something like this and think it's going to be, you know, 
an easy lift and you'll be able to balance your life and do it. And uh, it, it, it's definitely, it takes work. So, you know, right back at you, man. Thank you for helping with this. I really appreciate it. it, it to everyone who joins us consistently brings their, their comments, their thoughts, and shares knowledge in this, in this forum. Uh, we're providing a very valuable service and I, I definitely couldn't do it alone. So thanks, man. I appreciate that. No, absolutely. Happy to be here. I mean, I think when I first started, you know, in this space, um, it's been over a year, I think it was early 2021 and maybe I just wasn't looking in the right places, but I, I felt like there just weren't that many active, um, practicing lawyers other than, you know, maybe a lot of OGs that already were, have been in crypto full time. So it's it's been awesome over the last year and a half or so to see more and more from our profession coming into the space because it is needed and you can't do it all. There's so much work to do and there's always new developments. I mean, without uh, keeping each other up to date and having these sort of spaces, um, it'd be, it would be impossible to keep up with all of the developments and regulatory changes, updates, news, et cetera. So, yeah. So what's what's on the docket for today? <laughs> what's <laughs> Anything? on the docket? There's, there's so for much today. news all the time. What's uh yeah? What's what's yeah. the biggest thing brewing? It you know it just it comes in so fast and furious. Um, it's it's really hard. I mean, some stuff that I pinned today that I thought was interesting to talk about is number one. NFT now wrote a really really good piece about the current state of. Uh, regulation in the space. And they provided um, a quote from an IRS investigator who really sort of confirms what, you know, we've been talking about for a while that, you know, they're looking very, very closely at this space and they're working hard. And that particular source didn't want to, didn't want to come forward, wanted to remain anonymous. And I can tell you even in my own practice and talking with agents on criminal cases that I'm handling in, in federal court and federal prosecutors. I mean, they are working, they are working hard and this has become a major, major focus of their, of their time and their energy. So that particular source, um, according to this story, um, spoke on condition of anonymity requested not to attribute any direct quotes to them, special agent with the IRS criminal investigation office, explaining that the agency has put a lot of its resources into investigating NFT and crypto-related crimes in the last six months. Uh, agency tasked with investigating, among other things, various forms of fraud and violations related to the Bank Secrecy Act, which requires financial institutions to assist government agencies in deterring or detecting money laundering. So, you know Metaverse Lawyer, and Lortoshi, I just brought you up. Love to get your thoughts on this, but we all have been talking about the fact that this this space is really in the line of sights of investigators and there's good reason for them to be here because of the, the debauchery we've seen going on from projects and from bad behavior from people committing fraud and i think people largely believe and this article even talks about the fact that anonymity is one of the aspects that complicates investigators efforts and i think it also gives bad actors, this, I think, wrong perception that they're invisible in this space and what they do is not going to not going to get caught. You know, we just had yesterday a massive Twitter hack on Zeneca's account where somebody was posing as Zeneca, hijacked his account and was offering a mint 
Um, it's just, it's insanity. It just keeps happening. It keeps happening. And <laughs> I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Am I on the right track here with this? Is this a good piece that they wrote? I think it's outstanding. So I'm, I'm just kind of scrolling through uh, reading it. I hadn't uh, yet seen it, um, but you know, I, yeah, definitely with the, with the nascent industry, um, you're going to dry in bad actors and it's, it's good that additional resources are, are going after those bad actors. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Uh, I would push back maybe a little bit on the idea that, you know, it's, it's a good thing. I, I'm not going to disagree with that, but you know, is there more fraud in this space like as a net total of fraud and bad actors in the world that, that there is outside of it? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe per capita. Yeah. And, and I don't know, but I don't know. I haven't seen the stats on that, but um, you know, fraud is fraud and hopefully they're going after it everywhere. Sometimes when you've been in the space for a while, you start to get sort of like the paranoid, um, you know, are the feds coming after this? Cause they, they want to crack down. The power structures are coming to get us. Um, yeah, I don't know how much of that's true, but I think there's definitely sort of some of that going on as well. Um, so, but yeah, as long as they're going after people that are breaking the law, that are taking advantage of people, I'm a hundred percent on board. Yeah. Law Toshi, man, you came up to speak. Welcome. What's going on in your world? What are you, what are you working on these days? Yeah. Good morning. And thanks for bringing me up and thanks for, for holding this space for all of us, man. Um, it's awesome. I wish I could participate in more of these. So uh, I skimmed through the NFT now article that you shared and I agree with you. It, it's excellent. And I mean, the types of criminal cases that are being brought are, in my view, fully justified. I mean, these are, you know, pretty blatant frauds that have been committed. I guess the one exception would be potentially the the one brought against uh, Nathaniel Chastain, the former OpenSea executive. I think that one is, you know, they, they are pushing the edge of the law and their enforcement capacity on that one because it's it's not clear to me that that fits within the definition of wire fraud um in this context uh i mean they're really seem to be relying pretty heavily on a lot of law that's developed in the securities context to inform that prosecution um but you know it, it's interesting to see the that quote from the someone with the irs uh, criminal investigation side because it, I mean, there were, I think it was maybe a month ago, there were rumors that the SEC was taking a really hard look at NFTs specifically. Um, and they've even released something publicly now that says, yeah, we are focused on NFTs as one of the categories of our enforcement priorities. Um, but we hadn't heard anything from the IRS and we don't really know what exactly the SEC is looking at because, you know, they haven't identified any enforcement action specifically um, with respect to NFTs. So just having that second confirmation from another agency and that they're working together is one, I'm not that big of a surprise given what we'd already heard in the rumor mill, but you know, it should, if it should give founders a lot of pause, I think, um, in terms of, you know, making sure that they are 
running a compliant <laughs> or as compliant as can be NFT project that's not going to run afoul of regulators who are publicly saying we are looking at you and you know if you're doing something wrong we may come after you um you know the flip side of that of course is that you know the the, the major regulators of crypto that have jumped into this space you know kind of into the deep end from the get-go have not given a lot of really good guidance to you know, NFT projects specifically, or, you know, crypto generally about what exactly they expect, you know, so the SEC has, you know, their FINA division has released kind of this balancing test of a, it's got like 50 different factors in there and you weigh them and you figure out if, hey, maybe this is a security or, you know, maybe the SEC will think it's a security or not a security based on, you know, this huge list of factors Um, and, but, you know, that guidance is disclaimed as, you know, this is just the view of FinHub doesn't represent the views of the whole SEC, you know, and then it kind of invites people to come in and talk to the SEC about what they want to do. And in this space, a lot of people are reluctant to do that because they look at, you know, I think the other thing you've got pinned up there is about Ripple and. Ripple kind of famously actually tried to go talk to the SEC initially and felt like they'd gotten kind of a green light for what they were doing and then proceeded for years and years doing what they were doing only to get hit with an enforcement action, you know, long after the fact. Um, And Latoshi, I'll don't want to interrupt yeah. too much here, but I mean, yeah. Gemini did the same thing, right? They, they have an enforcement action against them now. And that was, you know, the, the Winklevoss twins company, their mm-hmm. statements immediately were the exact same. We went in, we sat down, we met with you, we disclosed everything. And now you come back and do this. And I think there are other examples as well. So people aren't going to want to go in and sit down with Gary Gensler. And I saw he just recently said the same thing. Hey, our doors always open, but who's going to want to do that when they're high profile, even situations where people did that and then they still get smacked down later. So sorry. Yeah. 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 And, and you talk about that, 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 uh, that other thing I pinned, and then I want to circle back and talk about the Nate case too. Um, You know, that, that goes along the lines of how we collectively need to, you know, really pool our energies. I I had sent that out and Birdnalls was unpacking it. And it was like, when I opened that, document it was like almost 100 pages and there's just so much going on and it's the pace of this stuff is like this every day and to circle back to what you're talking about latoshi with with the exception on the chasing on the on the nate chasing case i happened to pull up pacer while you were talking and i was looking at it just to see what's going on with this case there was a pre-trial conference held on june 15th and apparently an order form was filed and a transcript was produced of that hearing. Now, I don't have access to that transcript because I'm not a party to the case, but it appears that something was brought up in that pretrial conference that prompted one of the parties in the case to order a transcript of the hearing. And that transcript was requested on July 5th. So curious hmm. to see what's going on with that, because like you had said, we've seen a handful of criminal cases but they largely haven't progressed very far because Nate was an indictment. 
I believe Frosty's was a criminal complaint, which to my knowledge has still not had any movement, not been indicted, which suggests to me as a criminal lawyer that the parties are talking and they're trying to potentially work something out short of an indictment. So interesting observations. And we just let up bread. I love your name. <laughs> I love the emojis. You got your hand up. What do you think, bread? Welcome to law line. Hey guys, Jim, thanks for having me up. I, uh, just had like, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with currently, uh, you know, legal fun, fun stuff. Um, you know, in, in the corporate world, you know, I've been doing freelance NFTs for about a year and then started doing all this corporate stuff. And it's, you know, I guess my question is really like, do you think that the SEC is going to have to essentially redefine what a speculative asset or what a security is in regards to NFTs specifically? Because, I mean, as of right now, the legal guidelines that we're operating under are like, you know, things like, we you know, uh, project founders or a certain project can't really add utility that wasn't announced previously, you know, like at the drop at minting, you can't add now utility after the fact. Uh, you can't really token gate after the fact if that wasn't announced before the drop. And there's a bunch of weird things that are kind of falling into like, well, then it becomes a speculative asset, you know. And, uh, you know, I made the argument that, I mean, a few, what, maybe a month or so ago, I mean, all it takes is one rumor to start spreading like wildfire out here in the NFT space. And all of a sudden now Costco hot dogs are a speculative asset, you know. And so where where is the... You know, I mean, yeah, do you think that it's going to have to get redefined or do you think that there'll be maybe some special kind of overlap or something from the legal side? You know, it's interesting. I want to hear from the other two lawyers that are up here. It, it, it's interesting from my perspective because we're, we're seeing sort of the SEC appears to be a little bit on the defensive right now because Congress is pressing them. Senator Warren just sent a letter to, to Chair Gensler asking, what are you going to do? What, how do you differentiate this asset class from other asset classes? And what are you doing as far as enforcement? And, you know, the SEC has really not been very clear on their enforcement agenda. And Congress is trying to legislate and trying to figure out what's going to come under the purview of the SEC, what's going to come under the purview of the CFTC. And you are very correct. And as, as a founder of a project, I, I'm very sympathetic to what you're going through because you don't have a lot of guidance right now. You don't have a lot of clarity and every decision you make, you're making based on largely, uh, largely speculation because like metaverse said, when you go forward and ask for some guidance, you don't seem to get any concrete guidance. And we don't know because we haven't seen a, a pattern here of, of enforcement action against NFT projects yet. Um, anything to add to that, gentlemen, that you see that I'm missing here that, that maybe might fill some gaps in for Brett as far as how he can sort of navigate this space right now? So, I mean, one question he asked, I mean, I agree with everything you said, Carlo, but one question he asked was, is the SEC going to change how they define a security? I think the answer to that is almost certainly not. Um, what is more likely to happen is that the Congress will redefine it for them, and then they will have to follow suit. So you've got the, the Loomis-Gillibrand bill that was introduced uh, I think almost a month ago now, that talks about you know different asset classes and what uh, 
you know, constitutes a security and who the primary regulator is going to be. And um, in an exception for kind of low dollar volume type of projects that, you know, you kind of, kind of a safe Harbor type provision until you hit a certain threshold. So I think that's probably where we're headed is that the SEC is going to keep doing what it's been doing until Congress tells them to knock it off. Yeah, it, it seems like there is a battle, um, at least a power vacuum, um, as to is Congress going to step in and legislate? Is SCC going to step up and clear up what their regulatory agenda is going to be? You know, Chair Ginsler interview, I think, yesterday. He is very public in his comments about the space. And um, he gave an interview yesterday and with Bloomberg. And he basically, the, the catchphrase, I, I also tweeted that as well. Uh, he sees plenty of non-compliance across crypto. So, okay, plenty of non-compliance across crypto. What does that do to help someone like Bread <laughs> understand how to be in compliance? Um, it's, it's, it's great to identify that there's non-compliance, but as lawyers, when clients come to us and we're trying to advise them how to stay in compliance, all we're left with is the Howey test, a litany of uh, cases that may not be directly on point because they are historically, uh, maybe historically significant, but not really up to speed with like Brad mentioned, the utility aspects of NFTs. And we're trying to take fungible token securities law and trying to figure out how to interpret it for non-fungible asset class. That's very yeah. confusing. I, yeah. I mean, one other complicating factor on the, the government side is that the Office of Government Ethics just issued an opinion saying if you own any crypto at all as a government employee, you can't work on crypto related issues. I mean, which is, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like saying you can't own a car to if you're going to be making car related regulation. Um, I mean, it's bananas. That's bananas. It's, it, it's craziness. It's craziness. Um, but the other thing that I thought of is, and I don't know how this shakes out. And, you know, I noted the hesitancy that people have to go to the SEC for obvious reasons. But, you know, one thing that did change between Gemini and Ripple going to the SEC and talking to them and then having an enforcement actions brought against them is that there was a change in administration and that there's a new chair. And, you know, but... Gensler is not acknowledging that shift or the, you know, the facts that happened while he's inviting people to come in. And until he overcomes that kind of historical dilemma that people are seeing, it's going to be really challenging for, you know, project founders to, to know what to do. Yeah, it's frustrating. Lena, you came up, you've got your hand up. Welcome as always. Uh, how's things in Canada? What's going on? Canada is doing well, except it feels like Texas. Um, maybe The whole world feels like Texas. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes, I heard England is getting battered. Um, well, like I haven't 104? checked in over there. 
Yeah. It's crazy. Like 104 in London. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine? Oh, that would be hot because there's, and there'd be very uh, limited uh, retailers. Like everyone would cram into anything that had an air conditioner. Oh yeah. Which is going to crash, you know, it's going to crash and put so much pressure on their grid. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting, man. What, what, what are you, what is your take on what we're talking about here today? Okay. What are your thoughts? Um, Having uh, worked on policy now, very different than this, but in um, the payments industry, uh, one thing I learned now in hindsight, because I can do armchair now, is that a policy is as only as good as you can enforce it. And then if I was like a big dog, I would be like, okay, you've given me all this AM, all these um, tools and software to uh, mitigate fraud etc on the system we control the question i would ask is how much control do we have on this new method of engagement and if it's it's got to be at least 10 to 20 percent of a variance where you can't literally replicate what is done today that's the discussion i want to hear because I'm fearing that they're just going to go back and forth and try to figure this out without acknowledging the elephant in the room. That's my, my take. What is the elephant in the room in your estimation? I'm curious. That you can only apply policy in a controlled environment, right? And in the moment that you don't have, uh, how do you say this? Um, okay, everybody knows that every system in the world has a back door, right? And everybody knows, it's so easy, it's so much easier with lawyers. And everybody knows that a warrant can be issued, et cetera, et cetera, right? The moment that um, ability is restri- is diminished, and then all the other aspects that take me hours to think of, um, you have to have a new game plan. And you have to be realistic. And um, I hope they don't stop these young entrepreneurs from making a decent living in a new form of free market, if they apply the old rules, I don't know how free market will survive. You got a hand up from Brett on that. So I'm curious because he's a founder. He sounds like a young person who's building in the space. So fire away, Brett. What do you think? Well, I mean, I appreciate you calling me young, man. That's dope. You know, I don't always feel that way anymore. But, you know, I, I think so essentially, I feel like what we're waiting for is just precedent. We're waiting on some sort of like, some sort of case to go through with the sec that'll set precedent does that is that like does that make sense to all you lawyers yeah i think uh we certainly the 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 only reliable way that we can advise people in these circumstances is to look at precedent because past is the predictor for future and uh we we're we're really struggling to do that because the Howey test is a very antiquated look at securities. And it, it certainly, I think, has its place in history when it comes to regulating stocks. And it had its time and it had its relevance in regulating the emergence of the stock market in the United States and the acceleration and the ultimate crash of the stock market. You look at what's happening now, we're seeing an entirely new asset class driven by an entirely new technology. And I don't want to like say framers, but 
you know, could the court have speculated when they wrote the Howey opinion that we'd be talking about digital assets and utility and airdrops and merch and IRL experiences, staking? I mean, the answer is no. So now we're trying to jam this technology into that test. So to follow up on Lena, when you're talking about back doors, to follow up on what you're saying, what do lawyers do? Well, lawyers take and cobble together what precedent they have to create new and uh, new and potentially uh, challengeable uh, legal concepts to get court review. So you get an enforcement action, you have a client who has the resources to fight back on that enforcement action, who isn't afraid about being fined into oblivion and being shut down, but they actually have the resources to put up the fight. We all saw recently that the Fifth Circuit um, took one of these cases up on appeal and pushed back about how the internal enforcement mechanism works and how essentially there's a little bit of a deprivation of access to the courts in the administrative process. So when the cases do get teed up in the right way and get into the courtroom, it generates decisions. You're right, Brad. It's only a matter of time. One of those decisions is going to go up. Maybe it goes up to the Supreme Court. And then the question is, is the Supreme Court going to write an opinion that, uh, that evolves the Howey test and brings it more into what we're dealing with in this space. Again, I, I go to our lawyers up on the panel. Latoshi, what do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, my honest hope is that the Supreme Court actually reaffirms Howie in its original language with, and maybe adds some clarifying nuance. Because I think Howie itself, the way it was originally written, is fine it would be fine to actually apply that standard to this space. And a lot of projects would not fit within that because I mean, you know, what are the four elements? It's an investment of money in a common enterprise with an expectation of profits based solely on the efforts of others. That's the original language. And what has happened is that the courts have said, well, you know, profits doesn't necessarily mean profits of the enterprise. It's just any profit at all. And it doesn't mean solely based on the efforts of others. It can just be the efforts of others. Um, you know, and it doesn't really matter if you're involved in, it, in, in the project too. And so if the Supreme Court were to go back and say, no, we met what we wrote in, uh, I can't remember when, how it was decided, 39 or 40, um, that it's actually profits of the enterprise, and it has to be based solely on the efforts of others, I mean, that would cut out a lot of the nonsense that the SEC is doing right now, where, and frankly, that the courts, the lower courts have done, where they've just broadened this test to something so amorphous that the SEC's power is basically unlimited in terms of, their, you know, it's like, what is a security? It's like, well, if it involves money and buying something, well, the SEC might think it's a security. We don't know. I mean, it, it has turned into this totally unworkable standard because it's been enlarged so many times. Well, where does, no. where does the shop fall in that? You know, like if you're, if you're selling sports cards, if you own a shop that sells sports cards and like, you know, TCG gaming type cards, you know, I mean, we've all seen what happened to the Pokemon cards that we all lost when we were younger, you know, and now they're worth you know, five figures. So, I mean, at that point, there's like the, 
I mean, is that a security? Is if you're selling sporting cards, do you have to be SEC compliant? That's a that's a good question, and I, I I like that angle because you know when I first got into NFTs, the the thing that I that drew me in was the collectible nature of it, like that aspect of NFTs and the artwork. Um, you know, um, because I was you know I, I'm a child of the '80s uh, into the '90s, I guess, and and I collected baseball cards, and so I could wrap my head around the idea of okay, I'm getting one of these which is only one of a collection of 10,000 and each one's completely different, you know? And so, but the problem that I think this is just my opinion, of course, but I think the problem is that NFTs are no longer just, you know, 10,000 pieces of randomly generated art or of anything else like for that matter. Um, if it was just, okay, we're going to release 10,000 you can buy a pack. In fact, the first NFT I ever bought was NBA top shots. Right. And you literally would buy a pack of the, of the, moments right of the cards essentially digital digitized modern trading cards um but now it's kind of morphed into um the there is like a team that's sort of proposing here's what we're going to do and here's all these utility it's once you start talking about utility and extra things that are going to be provided i think then then you know regulators are looking at this more like okay this is essentially a team uh, like a startup that's raising funds and, and issuing these tokens as a way to sort of, you know, launch their project and, and raise funds to then move forward. And people are buying them, you know, probably because they expect them to go up in value, not just because they're buying a baseball card. So so that's where, you know, we we need now the regulators to come in and tell us, though, what how are they um, similar? Are they security? Are they not? What do we need to do to be in compliance, to not risk being in trouble down the road so that we can continue to innovate and um, create and grow. And sadly, that latter part is what we're still waiting on. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know how long we'll wait on it because it seems to me like regulators um, in Congress, they, they like to talk about regulating just like everything in Washington these days. They like to talk about it, a lot of talking, but very little doing. Excellent points. I think what brings regulation front and center is sort of what we started this conversation with, which is enforcement action, because we've seen this arc in other emerging technologies and in other um, in other facets of, of the financial industry, like mortgage fraud, the Enron debacle. The innovation uh, comes fast and furious. The profits come in. The bad players inevitably see the profits and step in and try to capitalize on it. And then the criminal cases and the lawsuits spring from all of that. And then the, the drum beats loud for regulation. So we're kind of at that stage now where massive profits, tremendous growth in this, in this technology and industry. And now it's drawn the attention of regulators. It's drawn the attention of the lawyers who are bringing the lawsuits. We're seeing these cryptocurrency lending platforms and trading platforms collapse and we're seeing the behavior that's going on. So yeah, we're seeing the innovation. I love the, the way you, you went back to baseball cards. I think I agree with you on that because back in the, in this, I'm a kid of the seventies. So back when I bought in the seventies and eighties, my baseball cards, they, they came in a pack. The utility was the cards and maybe a stale stick of gum and that was pretty much the end of it. And, you know, now you have this new and very, very innovative technology 
which allows that baseball card pack to evolve. And it's not just the tangible card that's sitting in that pack. It's now the efforts of others who are working to increase the utility by doing airdrops, by doing merchandise, by doing uh, derivatives, by doing uh, secondary projects. So it's hard to simply box NFTs into these are just trading cards. I, I agree with you on that, Metaverse Lawyer. It's evolved. I think Ruben, well, I think that might have pushed the button for Ruben. Come on up, Ruben. What are your thoughts? And while Ruben's coming up, I, I, I don't know if I... I don't think I ever answered that, your question, Brad. But so I, I, to answer the question, I, yeah, I don't think that baseball cards, obviously, they're, they're not considered securities. I don't think that there's anything like that. Um, and I would be pretty confident also telling a founder, um, of course, this is definitely not legal advice to anyone listening. But um, if you had a collection that was just merely, look, we're going to release, you know, individual things for a flat fee. And here's the price. And we're just selling this as like the, the art or the you're buying it because you want to have a a piece of this collection just as a collectible, it's probably not a security either. Well, there's a big, there's a big talk too around AMOE, which is an alternate means of entry and how that's kind of, there's ways to circumnavigate some of the legal headaches by, you know, essentially you offer something to your NFT holders, but then you also offer it to anybody at all that wants to participate by mailing in a postcard in the mail, you know, and that's kind of a, a, a gray area as well right now. Interesting, but thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, another as far as that goes, you always have to be careful about um, if you're just doing something, but trying to do it kind of a backdoor way, kind of an end around of a rule. I'd be careful. Yeah, for sure, dude. For sure. Yeah, because the consequences of drifting out of the lane and getting hit with regulatory action are very steep you're going to have to hire a lawyer, most likely. You're going to get into a morass of, uh, of regulatory compliance conversations, the threat of sanctions, the threat of having to be fined to repay investors. Um, I mean, the consequences, and I'm very sympathetic to someone like you who's trying to build in this space because the consequences are very severe and it's, it's a very courageous thing to build right now in a space like this that doesn't have very clear defined lines. Ruben, with your hand up so polite, what's the word? What do you think, my man? So uh, I put myself in the shoes of a founder who's trying to do a thing, uh, who has uh, customers or um, you know collaborators or other sort of aligned individuals who want to help do the thing Everybody thinks that the thing is a, is a cool thing, that that's a good idea, and you should do the things. But there is some trepidation because the rules are not necessarily uh, defined as of yet, right? Um, and sometimes, you know, you have something that sort of meets the spirit of what a security is, but not the fact, right? Maybe there is no common enterprise or maybe there is no uh, – maybe the work is not the work of third parties or – you know, whatever the sort of the, the exit sort of path there is. Um, and I, you sort of look into the, the probabilistic field of the future, if you will, and you say, scenario A, government say bad. Scenario B, government say good or fine or, or 
mostly just ignores it. That's <laughs> usually the, anyways. Point is, is that um, historically, uh, what is the what is the likelihood that the government's going to basically have to wait until some sort of conflict event it gets to the adversarial system? works its way up through the courts. We have, you know, precedent being set by litigation as opposed to legislation. And and whether it's that or through a legislative event, um, do you think it would be, would it, I can't see this being retroactively applied. Can you? Yeah, it can be. Uh, I don't think there's anything, uh, you all correct me if I'm wrong, lawyers, but I don't think there's anything that precludes the SEC from, from going, I mean, unless there's a definitive statute that's on the books, when it comes to their regulatory enforcement action, I don't think there's any penalty if they sit on their hands and don't immediately come in, but then come in after the fact, because like we've been talking about, um, it's very amorphous. Latoshi basically, you know, laid laid the groundwork that you know a good lawyer can interpret any of those Howey factors very liberally and find a way to make something a security. So I, I don't know that there is a lot of comfort in being able to say, I launched, made a lot of money, did great, and I'm good because they didn't come after me, and now they're somehow barred from doing that. Unless I'm missing something there, lawyers, I don't know that that's necessarily the safest harbor. Yeah, I, I agree, Carlo. And, and I would also say that um, that's one of the, biggest problems in the space is that, or the, I guess one of the things that makes it really hard to be an attorney in the space is that, you know, founders and people that, people that are building in the space, they want certainty and understandably. So, I mean, I would want certainty as well, but uh, the problem is without clear guidance, uh, there is no certainty, you know, and there can't be. And even if someone else, um, you know, you copy someone else that did something a certain way uh, and just because regulators didn't go after them, doesn't mean that, you know, they're not going to go after uh, uh, something similar. So, yeah, because it's a matter of enforcement capabilities. They, 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 I think we can all agree. They don't have the resources to go after everyone in this space. Um, the same way, theoretically, the IRS doesn't have the resources to go after every taxpayer, but collectively as a society, it's the potential threat that you could fall within the purview of an enforcement action that motivates the public in general to stay in line because you never know if that random spotlight might be shining on your project. Now, with limited resources and a huge pool of NFT projects going on, it's plausible that they would go after the biggest players in the space. They would go after the board apes and things like that and use those as an example for the rest of the space, use those as a litmus test for what the big court battle might be um, and sort of set the precedent going forward. But that doesn't preclude them from going after smaller, more insignificant players in the space and doing the very same thing. It's, it's pretty random. Put, putting on my prosecutor hat for a minute, if I'm the SEC, I wouldn't go after the biggest projects. Unless they were, I mean, just totally egregious, because that is going to be the most challenging, time-consuming, enforcement resource-consuming. You, you thing wouldn't that pick they the weakest do. targets. 
That would be ripple. That would be that would be the ripple case because you yeah. you got resources to fight back. Yeah, you're right. It, and and I would t- I would pick off the easy wins to develop precedent in my favor as the SEC, and then build on that, and then build towards going after the bigger players. And then when I'm suing I mean, them that, in court, that, that I can, makes that makes a hundred percent sense. You know, and it's like it it's easier than to look back and say, look. Here's 15 courts who agree with me. Yeah. And You're looking for a job? That's incredible. And one of the, well, but here's <laughs> the thing. One of the things that, one of the things that plays into what Latoshi is saying is the fact that largely these enforcement actions don't ever get to a formal appellate proceeding where an opinion is generated because settlements are reached. There are agreements not to discuss there are repayment plans and they largely die on the vine and they don't get litigated for, for, for that very reason, because the, the risk and the danger of going forward and going the distance is you can get hit with very, very steep fines and that can have a very chilling effect on who's going to fight back. So you're right, Latoshi, to go after the board API club with their infinite amount of capital and outside funding and resources the SEC would be bogged down in another ripple type of a fight. And we're seeing every day in the news how that's going down. So, yeah, that, that's an interesting counter to what I said. And I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. You got your hand up, Lena. You're so polite. What do you think? Oh, thank you. Um, it just goes back to um, I think it's Rex's earlier comment is the pragmatic question to ask when they're looking at all of this is how much is how much how many tax dollars are on the table? And what will it cost to go retrieve them? And do we have the bandwidth? Um, I think that will help answer whether it's retroactive. Yeah, and it's it's all purely speculative. I mean, yeah. oh yeah, we we as lawyers, I think all collectively would like to see some clarity so that we can better advise people how to proceed. And this crosses not only into securities law, but it crosses into business formation in this space. It crosses into tax. It crosses into uh, criminal, from my perspective, as a criminal defense lawyer. Is IP we, separate? Would you call, do you categorize IP and copyright separately? Yeah, I, I, I think every, okay. every different nuanced area of law practice in this space would benefit from getting some clarity. Now, I don't know that IP law is going to necessarily be clarified through regulation um, uh, unless perhaps the, the trademark laws evolve further and the copyright laws evolve further when it comes to non-fungible tokens. For example, we know from the recent debate that AI-generated art can't be copyrighted. That's one argument that's being made right now. Is that going to get legislated or is that going to be uh, judicial precedent that's going to clarify that. that. That's always the question. Who knows? But I think it, I, the grand... You know yeah, no, go right, just to, I mean, I've been monitoring the um, um, the associations, the gatherings, the different corporations that have gathered under foundations, etc. And just going from precedent in this in the system in terms of the payment system itself is they will look in large part to 
the existing um, infrastructure for solutions. So that definitely is going on. That's why the infrastructure has been put in place from all the, um, the companies in the uh, transaction path. And um, they're definitely going to look at them. But there are many different gatherings of intellects and corporations and think tanks coming together. And they're going to be the people that uh, educate these groups of people who are ta- tasked with this uh, big, uh, big job. Yeah, look, as long as there's as long as there's this kind of money on the line, as long as there's this much outside funding and as as long as Web2 brands are, are looking at this space as being the next iteration of the Internet, we're going to continue to see the boundaries pushed because that's how innovation happens. Uh, there, there's no other way to innovate, especially in a new and groundbreaking technology like this unless you have people that have the courage to build things that are going to test the limits and they're going to hire lawyers and they're going to try to get the best advice they can. But in the end, I think every lawyer on this panel will agree the best they're going to get from a lawyer is generally going to be 50, 50 odds of whether this falls into this or falls into that. And whether this is going to be enforcement action or not, unless it's just blatant on its face best lawyers can do is give very, very measured predictions going forward. And then it falls back on people like bread and other builders like Ruben in the space to have to think about and weigh what their lawyers that they've paid to give them counsel have advised them to do. And then it's an individual risk tolerance assessment. Some people are willing to take the heat and deal with the enforcement action or deal with the letter, deal with the compliance pushback it's really part of the entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, I, I don't want to speak for the builders, but I think that's kind of the, the struggle you all have. You, you've got to take what the lawyers are giving you and you've got to run it through your filter as far as what is your risk tolerance? Is your business model got in its, in its business plan the, the ability to absorb the fight? You might come out on the other side of the fight and you might win. You might be vindicated or you might be broken on the wheel. That, that's really the risk every builder takes. I agreed with everything you just said, Carlo. And, and I would say um, from what we've seen so far with the SEC, it seems like they're, they're going more after, you know, like one thing I've noticed being in the space for a couple of years almost now is that like regulators are definitely, um, they move in slow motion, right? <laughs> and which it's very visible in this space in particular because it moves at warp speed, right? So government always moves slower than private enterprise and in crypto and, you know, web three, I guess I would say um, it's that, that difference is even more pronounced. So it seems like right now, most of the enforcement actions are against, you know, like crypto exchanges and still going after like ICO type um, projects or exchanges that were like, I think the Gemini case is based on non-disclosure or a problem. I think they, they alleged, with the disclosures that Jim and I made. Um, and I don't know. I mean, is there Latoshi? Someone, someone must know. Is there, am I missing? Is there, are there, have there been any like big NFT projects or any NFT projects that regulators have filed enforcement actions against that I'm not even thinking of, but it seems like it's mostly, we're still, we're like two years or three years behind in this, in an earlier cycle that that's what they're going after now. So we may not know for 
another year or two, who knows, before we see really what it is they're honing in on in terms of the NFT space. Yeah, I think... Latoshi, you keep your... You, yeah, you're on the pulse of this. Am I missing anything? Is Metaverse missing anything? No, I think you guys are spot on. I mean, the only enforcement actions we've seen have been against rug pulls, um, essentially, you know, criminal enforcement type of stuff, but nothing against an active ongoing project, you know, in the same vein as like a Ripple kind of lawsuit. So I agree 100%. You know, it, it's... We don't really know what they're concerned about and what their focus is going to be so only time will tell that and there was the uh the open sea insider trading thing too i guess could be loosely connected to the nft law yeah i guess i would say that is like the first thing we mentioned that one earlier the nathan chastain that, that i can think of that's and that's a criminal complaint brought against him personally not against you know the platform or against a project at all um against him for you know, insider trading or, you know, whatever technical um, laws they allege he violated. But um, yeah, for example, I think that press release that came out last month sometime that talked about, I think it mentioned six different um, actions or criminal cases that have been brought. Uh, All of those had to do with like um, either trading platforms or, you know, rug pulls, alleged fraud from people having to do with um, tokens, Bitcoin or something, something along those lines, not NFT projects. Yeah, well, we, then... we haven't seen we haven't seen an action against a, let's say a legitimate NFT that's launched legitimate art that hasn't rugged their community that's still here in the space building that's still providing you know utility and sticking to their roadmap. I don't know of any project that's really been called out publicly that I'm aware of for doing anything that would fall into an enforcement action as a security. When the day comes that one of those does get publicly called out, that's going to be an interesting day in the market. Well, and, and there are it. plenty of rug pulls and like blatant scams out there for them to go after once they, you know, get around to that, right? Yeah. Well, there's, and, and, there's, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was going to say there's the whole um, Yuga Labs, Ryder Rips IP stuff that's going to be coming to court soon. And so that might, that might shake out interesting. Yeah, look, any one of these cases has the capability of either directly or indirectly falling into definition of what a security is. Um, even a criminal case has the potential to, to shake out in that respect. So, again, you know, builders, you got my respect. Um, you got a tough job and uh, you're, you're wise to seek out lawyers and you're wise to, to listen to your lawyers and, uh, you know, you're, you're very courageous to be going into these uncharted waters. Uh, another great conversation today, everybody. I, I always try to keep these within an hour because I want to respect everyone's lunchtime, especially the lawyers that take time. And I know you're busy and, and builders, too. So thank you to everyone who joined us today. Jenko could not make it in because he's actually doing some some DGen lawyer work, probably. Who knows? But. Jenko had uh, other prior commitments today and uh, he couldn't make it, but we always appreciate you all coming. Thank you to Rug Radio for jumping in with us today and hanging with us. And uh, we'll be back at it again tomorrow. I'm sure that as soon as I close this space, there'll probably be a half a dozen new and groundbreaking events in Web3 law. So we'll we'll always have something new to talk about around here. Uh, Metaverse, Latoshi, Ruben, Bread, Everyone that joined today, thank you so much for coming up and speaking and sharing your thoughts. And uh, we'll pick this up again tomorrow. 
And uh, I hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Thank you again. Thanks. Have a good one. Uh, thank you, everyone. Thank you.